Recorded live.
devotion or Bible study with Minister Big Ken. And uh, we're, today we're going to be talking about what is a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you a true disciple? Am I a true disciple of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be a follower, a disciple, one who has committed his or her life to the work of Jesus Christ, to the walk, to the faith? A lot of people have faith, but their faith is not in a in God Almighty. It's in themselves. It's in their job. It's in their, in this world. It's in a president. It's in many different things, but it's not in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is where we have to have to come to a realization. Either we are 100% committed to Him, and we have our shortcomings, we have our problems, but we're 100% committed to Him. Or we're just talking to talk and not walking the walk. You know, whatever you love, that's what you're going to commit to. If you love your wife, you'll commit to her. If you love her part-time, you'll commit to her part-time. If you love her a percentage, you'll commit to her percentage. See, this, we have to be honest with ourselves. You know how I do things here. This is about the Word of God. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. we got to call it what it is. We all fall short. But one thing we have to do, our commitment should demonstrate year in and year out, we should be getting stronger in our faith, not regressing back into the world or allowing the world to take us back. And that's why it's important for us to do a self-examination. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are we disciples of Jesus Christ, or are we just talking the talk? Hey, with that being said, let's pray and let's invite the Lord to come and minister to us and bring us, bring us the word of God today. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for those who are talk show, those on Periscope, those who are listening on Facebook Live. We thank you, Lord God, that you are a rock, you are a banner. You're the one who will, you, you call us out of darkness and into the light. Lord, right now, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would just continue, continue to grow, help us grow in our faith, grow in this relationship with you. We want to be more like you and less like the world. And we know we can't do it apart from you, but we can do all things through you, through Christ, or with Christ who strengthens us. And we ask you right now, Lord, to fill us up with your peace, your joy, anything that's not of you right now. Let us leave it at the foot of the cross, Lord. Let us pick up our cross. Let us follow after you. Let us seek wisdom right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you. And we say amen, amen, amen. Again, friends, you can follow me on TalkShoe. Uh, this is a new format. If you're on Facebook, uh, you can uh, see the link that I posted up. Uh, if you're on, you know, uh, it's on Twitter, on Facebook, you'll see the link for TalkShoe. I just started reposting or redoing uh, on this. I used to use it about five years ago, but uh, we're going to start using it again because I have unlimited time to use it. I mean, I can use it all day long. I'm not limited to by how many hours I can use it. So, uh, I'm going to be posting things or, or doing Bible studies here uh, on a consistent basis. Amen. So uh, continue. You can look, call in. I mean, you can uh, go to TalkShoe. Look for me at Minister Big Ken on TalkShoe, and you'll see uh, the post. Or you can go to my, if you're on Facebook or you're not on Facebook, you can go there and be able to, uh, but sometimes I might not do live streams. I might just do a, a quick disciple or a, I mean, devotional or a quick Bible study here. So there'll be opportunities for you. Again, like I said, you can follow me on Blog Talk Radio and Minister Big Ken 65 at Blog Talk Radio. I've uh, been using that for about six years now, so over 650 messages there, 650 messages there. 
got plenty of things to learn there. Also, you can follow me on Periscope at Minister Daryl Kendrick on Facebook Live at Minister at you know, Facebook uh, at Daryl Kendrick and Peri, uh, Twitter at D Kendrick SR sixty five on Twitter on uh, Gmail D Kendrick SR at Gmail dot com. You can also now follow me on uh, Talk Shoe Talk which is uh, another uh, podcast media that we'll be posting uh, doing live. Uh, devotionals or Bible study, some things you might hear on both uh, blog talk and talk shoe, and that's okay. <clears throat> but what we're here to do, friends, is to continue to get the word of God out. I'm not here for money. I'm not here for fame. I'm not here to try to make my name great. I want to lift up the name that's above all names. That's our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that's what I'm here to do. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm here to promote. I'm here to promote the cross of Christ. I do ask people for donations to the GoFund account, but that's, you know, that's a love offering. It's not, hey, I'm not asking you to buy me a mansion or, or an airplane or none of that foolishness. You know, I'm here to promote Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it regardless. I've been doing this long enough to know that, hey, it's about Christ. He'll provide. He'll take care. So, you know, uh, for those that know that I have a, I'm disabled, I had to go out. I'm a veteran. Dealing with all kinds of Gulf War syndrome, uh, things that I was ignoring for years. I was a truck driver for 30 years. I had 17 heart attacks. So I have been through some things, but guess what? I can rejoice knowing that my Lord and Savior is the rock and my refuge. Amen? Is he your rock and refuge? And we're going to be talking about that again tonight on part two of Jesus Christ, the rock. We did a message yesterday. If you didn't catch it, go to, uh, look on, uh, you can go to, uh, go to, uh, Talk to you for that. You can listen to that message I did last night on that. Uh, Jesus Christ, our rock. Got seven part, seven series to do on that, and we're going to uh, uh, carry those or, or continually uh, bring you the word of God. Hey, Brother Clifton, God bless you, man. You and your family, blessings to you. My brother down there in Texas, a pastor, minister, hey, uh, lift him up and his family. Uh, let's get into this, though. Let's get in. Well, oh, real quick. If you're in the Los Angeles area, if you're in the Los Angeles area, please come check us out. Thursday night, Core Church of Los Angeles, www.corechurchla.org. You can get all the information, but we start at 7.30 tomorrow, 7.30 p.m., 2037 South La Cienega Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Uh, like I said, you can go to www.corechurchla and get all the information of time, ministry, as well as current up-and-coming events for our Christmas holiday. We will be having a Saturday worship and not a Sunday worship uh, this coming Christmas. A lot of people are going to be out of town. A lot of people are going to be leaving. And God doesn't care what day you worship. As long as we come together and worship him in spirit and in truth. So we will be opening uh, the doors of the church on Saturday. And there will be three services, I believe, on Saturday. Because a lot of people are going to be going up the road, going down the highway. So... I would like to invite you to come out on uh, December the 24th, which is Christmas Eve, for a worship with us. If you're in the Los Angeles area, come check us out at Core Church. But come check us out tomorrow night for our Thursday night Bible study. We're going through the book of Matthews, verse by verse. So tomorrow will be chapter 4, I believe it is. So, hey, please come out and worship with us. If you have family members looking for a Bible teaching church in the area, we want to encourage them to come and worship with us. Amen? All right. All right. 
that's what is a disciple, friends? What does it mean to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, we're told in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus tells us, and, um, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. We ask, Lord God, for wisdom and understanding of the Holy Writ. In Jesus' name, amen. This was the Great Commission right here. This is what our, uh, this is why we do as Christians what we're called to do. You find the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they take this Great Commission very seriously too, but Unfortunately, friends, there are, they are giving or promoting another Jesus. A Jesus is not of Scripture, but a Jesus of Scripture. And I say that very seriously because they have stripped the deity of Jesus Christ directly off of him. They have stripped the deity of Jesus Christ. He is not God in the flesh. He became a God like he was created to be something other than what God is. God is God. Always was God. Never a time when he wasn't God. Jesus was always God. He came here as a babe, clothed in human flesh. He was God in the flesh at the moment that he arrived here. At the moment that he came from the womb, he was still God. Before he came, before he was, he came through the birth canal of Mary, he was still God. He always existed. He always was. He always will be. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. But there is no end on outside of the earth realm. Well, inside the earth realm, there's an ending of this earth as we see it. But God Almighty never ends. For the believer, life doesn't end when we close our eyes and give up the ghost. It just began. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority had been given to me in heaven and on earth. He's making it very clearly. Because you've got to remember, he had a dual nature. He had a human nature, but he also had a divine nature, a deity. And it was times where he veiled the deity and he spoke to us as the humans in his human side. But yet he was a man without sin. And he told them, he said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We need to take this very serious because in the, in the original, this means to, that you have already left. You've already been launched out. In other words, you should have already been gone. From the moment, the moment that a believer comes to saving faith, he has been given a mantra to go ye therefore and make disciples. His job is to grow, mature, and then be launched out as a witness, as an agent of a vessel of honor to be used to bring others to Christ. People should know us by the fruit that we bear. They should know us that we are born-again Christians because of our love for one another, but most of all, our love for God Almighty. Because we love him, this is why we do what we do. This is why we speak the truth in love. If I love you, I don't want nobody, I don't want no brother or sister to die and go to hell in their trespasses and sins. And you shouldn't either. 
Not one of us should want anyone to die and go to hell. We are called to be ambassadors of Christ. And if you know anything about a little bit about government, when you send a representative over to China or Japan or any foreign country, they're, they're a dignitary, they represent the interests of, uh, of our nation or whatever nation they come. When you send foreign dignitaries, when foreign dignitaries, uh, dignitaries come to America, they have a card block. They got the government credit card. Uh, they've been given certain uh, privileges, what they call uh, asylum from any kind of wrongdoing. But, you know, when people come here, they're supposed to come here with an attitude of, you know, they represent their country, and they represent an interest for their country. Well, we've been given that same We've been given this a position of where we go, we represent Christ. That's why in First Corinthians seven, we're told, we're told we're not our own. I mean, First Corinthians chapter six, we're told we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. So Christ is invested in us, and He wants to get back His investment. He wants us to go ye therefore and make disciples. Now, can we save anybody? No, but we have the message that can save. And we don't know what God can do with that message if we're not willing to share it with the world, if we're not willing to take people or tell people how much God loves them and how much he wants to come in and have a relationship. He wants to make his abode in the life of the wretched sinner and make him a new creation. You and I can be born again. You and I have been born again if we're already in the family of God. He wants us to be true disciples. A true disciple. There's only one type of disciple, either one that is truly committed to the cross of Christ and the message of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, or you are playing games. I understand we all have a growing level, but we should be ongoing and ongoing continuously as we live out our faith day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. There should be some consistency about growth in our lives. Not that we won't fall, not that we won't trip, not that we won't slip. We're going to mess up. But one thing we should always be doing is growing forward, growing forward. The moment that we start to look at this world and say, the world has something better to offer me than what Jesus has already given me, we become apostates. We deem ourselves to be some people that really never had a true conversion. I don't know anybody's heart, but I think it's kind of strange when you see pastors now, and I've seen this on YouTube, and, and, and these guys will sit up there. They were preaching the gospel. They, were, they had fire in their bones. They were committed to the cross, and next thing you know, they're doing YouTube videos talking about denying the, the greatest commission of denying the Savior, the, one who, the only one that could save a soul. The one who died for their sins, they no longer want to follow and worship him? Talking about Jesus is not real. But for 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years, this person was preaching the cross. Now they sound like someone who's dead and lost. And this is where Matt, uh, first, I mean, first Tim, no, Second Timothy chapter 3 comes in, where you see people, these are the people where he talks about perilous times will come. Let's turn to that right quick. I want nobody to miss it. Let's turn to that. Uh, first, uh, Second Timothy chapter three. 
2 Timothy chapter 3. These are the apostates. These are the apostates, friends. They're going to turn back to the world because the, the word of God is not relevant to them because of their hearts. Not because the word doesn't work. It doesn't, it's not because the word can't change. It's because they didn't want to receive the word. See, the word was comfortable as long as it provided them some kind of uh, a security blanket. See, this relationship with Jesus Christ requires us to die to self. As long as I don't have to die to self. And see, people will find teachers who will scratch their itching ears. They're always looking for teachers like that. A pastor that's going to basically give them cotton candy sermons, tell them how good they are, pamper them in their sin, say, well, brother, you're in a common law marriage. It doesn't matter. You know, you go, you know God, God is okay with the common law, man. The state says that we can, we can do that. So, you know, hey, it's okay. You can, you can be in your sin. Not so, brother. Not so, my sisters. This is what Timothy is saying to us. But realize this, 2 Timothy 3.1, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does that sound like America right now, friends? Does that sound like some of the churches in America who claim to be preaching an uncompromised gospel, but their gospel seems to be like milkshakes? not shaking folks up. It's not causing people to run to the altar to confess their sins, but they're running back into the world to embrace their sins. This is what happens when we have a form of godliness that we deny the power. See, God has a, a, a word that exposes false faithfulness or false, false commitment. You cannot have a God that has not changed you and claimed that you're a new creation. This is not, these are not the, 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 the life, this is not the lifestyle of a believer, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Because he says this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come for men will be lovers with themselves. He's not talking about Christians, because he would have said, for the saints, he would have said, this will be difficult times for the saints. He's writing to the church that this is what's going to happen. Ungodliness, lovers of money. Are we not seeing people in the body of Christ who love money more than God? They got their hand and saying, oh, Lord, Lord, Jimmy, 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 my name is Jimmy. He's, Paul is appealing to us to realize that these are going to happen. These things are going to happen in the church, but these are not true disciples. Even though they come in looking like sheep on the outside, they're full, they're ravenous wolves. They're, they're, they're goats. That's why God is going to separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the chaff. You cannot play games in uh, uh, claiming to be a true disciple, but there is no fruit on the tree. This is fruitless right here. This is of the world. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, reviled, disobedient to parents, uh, uh, 
arrogant, reviler. This will be uh, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossip without self-control. You know, irreconcilable, that doesn't just mean those who are uh, married, but it means like, well, you don't want to forgive people. You don't want to have a relationship with people who are trying to reach out to you and try to bring you, say, hey, I apologize if I did this to offend you, and you don't want to reconcile. That's not the heart of a believer. Believers should be ready to reconcile with people who come saying, hey, I'm sorry, forgive me. That's how God does things. He forgave us. We should have a forgiving heart. Now, you can't make anybody forgive you. All you can do is reach out to them in sincerity and in love, but you can't make them reach out, make them love you back. Notice what he says also, malicious gossip. Is that not going on in the body of Christ? But these are not believers. See, there's a difference between people who might gossip and those who are gossipers. It's a sin to gossip. But if you're, if you're a malicious gossip, you're somebody that's always spreading cancer through the body of Christ. This is your DNA. Without self-control, that's how they walk. They don't have no self-control. Notice when you've got so many people in the body of Christ that lack self-control when it comes to sexual purity, when it comes to you bridling your tongue, when it comes to how you live your life and conduct yourself, you fly off the handle if you don't get your way. When people uh, say something to you at the store or bump into you, instead of you saying, you know, oh, you know, it's okay, excuse me, you want to make a scene. You're like them folks on Black Friday that act ungodly and unruly. They don't have no self-control, fighting over TV and cell phones and computers. That's not a that's not a believer's mindset. Believers don't go in the store to cause heresy and chaos without self control. Brutal haters of good. Notice some people that hate good. Notice some people that might be in the church where they always whispering about somebody else. Why is she wearing that hat? Why is she wearing that dress? Why is he doing this? Why is is that the heart of a believer? I don't think so. I'm not talking about somebody that says something time to time. I'm talking, these are people who have a consistent uh, dialect or they embrace all kinds of evil. They're unholy, the Bible says. Remember back in, back in verse 2, these people are unholy. The Holy Spirit is in the believer. They're not holy. They're unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of good. For those that don't know what we're talking about, I'm in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Hey, lovers of pleasure, whatever pleases them, whatever it is. It could be, it could be sexual impurity, sexual immorality, hey, whatever it is. It could be lovers of gambling. You could be love. You could love to gamble. You love to drink. Love to smoke. You know, whatever it is that you love is not loving to God. You don't love God with the same attitude. You're loving pleasure instead of loving God. Holding to a form of godliness, verse uh, 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 five tells us. Holding to a form of godliness. These are the people who claim to be. Christ-centered. I love Jesus. They'll say that. Even have bumper stickers. 
even has another have a cross in the in the dashboard or something. They want to have the form of godliness. They perform. They have a religious out. You know, uh, uh, they wear religious garble, kind of like the rappers when they wear an iced out crucifix. But you know, they don't know the Christ who hung on that cross. These are the form holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied his power. See. Your relationship with Christ is not where you started at. You might have got saved in 1990, 1989, 1980. You might have got saved back then. But if your life is not demonstrating a pattern of holiness and walking with God consistently, not just when it's convenient in the church, but I'm talking about on a daily basis, if you're not conformed to the image of Christ continuously, then you have a form of godliness. But you have denied his power. Kind of like a pastor who sits there and preaches a God, a message, and everybody is hooping and hollering, and they're giving him all kinds of acts like, preach, preach, man, preach. But then he walks out to church, and he punches his wife in the face, or he talks down to his children, cusses them out as they leave the church, or he's a drunkard, or a whoremonger, or an idolater, or he's a gambler, he's a compulsive gambler, whatever it is, maybe his life outside of the church walls is totally different and contrary to holiness and having a righteous relationship with God. See, I don't want to be a Sunday morning Christian. If I'm going to hell, I'm going first class. Let me say that again. I do not want to be a perpetrator of a relationship with Jesus Christ that does not exist on a day-to-day basis. I don't want people could, will, will not accuse me of walking around saying foul language if I'm hanging out at the mall or at, at, at places out there. You're not going to accuse ever, ever be able to accuse me. I don't have that problem. I can bridle my tongue. The Lord is in me. One of the things that when I first gave my life to the Lord or, or recommitted my life to the Lord was take my tongue, tame my tongue, Lord. See, a lot of things we can have that we don't ask for, but the things we don't need, we're trying to get like things of this world. We want the things that the world has, and God wants to give us a clean vessel. He wants to tighten our lips up. He wants us to let God be in our gums. We want to have, I I need a new car, Lord. I need a big house, Lord. I need more stuff so I can show people the Lord is blessing me. How about when God filters out and washes your mouth out with the Holy Spirit and you can now be a vessel of honor? But see, when you're walking around with your mouth and flapping gums and you're cussing folks out, that's not Christ. But you swept down, I'm going to pray for you. I don't want you even around me. Let me step back 10 feet because there might be a bolt of lightning that drops. Because you have a double, you got a forked tongue, and one minute you spit, you spit, you're talking about scripture, and the next thing you're stripping away the deity of Christ with your with your mouth because it's so wretched. That's not the Christ of scripture. Notice what he says though in verse five, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied his power. He tells us to avoid such people as these. Avoid. Don't ever be afraid to stop being around people that do not have your best interest or are not helping you spiritually. If these people tear you down or they give you or they grieve you because their mouth is bad or their attitude is bad or they just have no kind of uh, – uh, they're, not, they're not truly what they say they are. Look, I can deal with unbelievers because I know who they are. 
I, I, I can't leave the world. It's going to always be unbelievers around us. But when you got so-called Christian brothers and sisters who claim to be your, you know, claim to be praying for you, claim to be a, a true man, a woman, a God, yet their lifestyle and their attitude does not line up with Scripture, then therefore these people are to be avoided. He tells us. Now, you might say, well, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want these people to. They're gonna think I'm self-righteous. No, God, it, who, why do we care about what people think? more than what God thinks. Let me go back here. In verse 5, he says, they hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied the power. That means they purposely said, no, thank you, God. I don't want you. Get away from me. I don't want to be saved. I don't want to walk in holiness. I don't want to be a God-fearing person. I'm just not going to do it. They deny the power. They hold to a form of godliness, but they deny its power of the Holy Spirit. He tells us, next, avoid such men as these, or women. Maybe you're in college. Maybe you've got ungodly friends who use God's name, and I'm not talking about using it to lift them up, but they seem to put a GD, you know? You know what I'm saying? And they think that's okay. Maybe you're in the workplace, you got people that using God's name as as a punching bag. But they say, well, I don't mean nothing by it. I don't mean nothing by it. Oh, yeah, they do mean something by it. Because they're saying it. God tells us to avoid it. Don't be around. Don't hang around. Don't make them. They don't have to be your friends. When you come against my God, when you come against the God of creation, and you claim to be a brother or sister in the body of Christ, and I tell you, I say, hey, what you're doing is not right. This is not of God. Well, you don't judge not unless you be judged. You know what? Let that person go. Because they right then and there, they're telling you they love their sin over righteousness. They love the sin, and that's why they're going to keep on doing it. And, it. and if they really knew anything, if they were really wise, you could point them back to Matthew 7 and say, read that in context. Because it doesn't tell us don't judge. It says don't be a hypocrite. Now, if I'm sitting here cursing like you and I'm claiming to be a child of God and we all sitting here using foul language and everything, I can't speak nothing to you. I need to clean my house first. But if I don't speak like that, if I don't act like you act, if I'm not, if that's not who I am even in the dark when nobody's watching but I'm still keeping it Jesus, then, hey, I can speak to you and I can tell you the truth. Now, whether you want to listen to it, it doesn't matter. Because after this conversation, I'm turning you over to God. I'm going to let him handle you. I'm going to let the Lord handle you. He, gotta, he, he definitely will take you to the woodshed. If you are his daughter or his son, he'll take you to the woodshed. Notice what he says here, though. He says, avoid such men as these. Verse 6, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses. False teachers do this. False teachers, which makes them false disciples. False teachers love to manipulate vulnerable lambs, vulnerable sheep. They come in and prey on the vulnerability of weak women. They they prey on it, having a form of godliness. And come in, sister, I need to come by and counsel you. I need to come by and talk to you. Can I come by around 10 o'clock tonight? Because I got a meeting at the church. Can I come by maybe about 11? 
Notice what he says here. Paul doesn't leave nothing out. He's talking about things that were happening in his time. People were manipulating and using these opportunities to slip into the households of gullible women. Nothing new under the sun, friend. See, we have to be honest. Women are built with a, a, a different perspective. They're built with the attitude of love and devotion, and, and, and they have a they have a, a, a want They want to they nurture it. Remember that God gives them the ability to nurture a child. Women have that desire. Majority of women. Now, there's some women that have denied who they are. Unfortunately, they really have. The devil has played a, a, a he has bamboozled them, and his cult came in and captivated them, and this is where they become blind. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they were made to be. They were made to be daughters, but they think they're sons. But that's another topic. But he tells us here that these women are gullible, and they're, 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 they're he says, they're, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women. In the King James, it says silly women. Silly women. These are vulnerable women because they're not grounded and rooted in their faith. They don't seem to know the true and living God, who they profess to have a relationship with. See, they have a religion, but they don't have a relationship. The relationship they have is with the world. The religion they have is with Christ. These are the women that, you know, uh, they want love so bad that they'll settle. I, I can't tell you how many single women are, you know, looking for love, but they seem to be settled. Uh, some women are making six figures. Some of them are millionaires, but they don't have true love. They don't have a true godly man that will come in and, and love on them. They don't want that. They don't want it. But these Weak women weighed down with this. The Bible says again, he says, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate. Weak women weighed down with sins led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Oh, they're they, they always in Bible study. They're always in church. But see, they've been given an emotional roller coaster of religion. They're not, they haven't been given systematic teaching, they haven't been given uh, uh, the true message of discipleship, they haven't, been, they haven't been encouraged to, you know, your body is a temple of the living God, don't let anybody have it, don't entertain those things with men who don't have your best interest, don't entertain a relationship with a man that's not grounded, that's loving God, that's going to love you like Christ loved the church. Why would you want a man that will not love God first? Why would you want a man in your life that's not going to pick you up and, 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 and love you like Christ loved the church? But you want him because he got money, he got a car, he, he can buy you stuff. Why they allow these people to come to their house? That's why your house is vulnerable. That's why the doors is open and you loudest. And notice what he says here. Weak women weighed down with their sins, led on by various impulses, many different impulses. I, I need somebody. I got to have somebody. I need somebody to love me. And you know what? You got some men that's effeminate now, and they, they the same way. They want to be loved too. So they allow women to come in and captivate them. You know, 
You got women that's doing the same thing like what men used to do. You know, I ain't going to say used to. How men used to be the predators, now you've got enough women that's out here doing the predators. They're the ones out here, what, you know, hey, I don't need a man, but I'll just use them for what I need them for, and then, hey, I'm out. That's not, that's not true discipleship. Y'all might have thought I got into the lesson. I ain't into the lesson yet. <laughs> that was my intro. <laughs> Again, we said, remember when we talked about this, hey, in Matthew 28, we've been given a great commission to go ye therefore and make disciples. To make disciples, the goal of evangelizing the world for Christ. He's called us to go and become the ambassadors of this world. He wants us to take this word to the world and that people would come to the cross of Christ and become a new and a living, a new creation, born again. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Perhaps you believe in Jesus. Great. Hallelujah for those that believe in Jesus. So do the demons. So do those deceiving spirits, those angelic spirits who who've fallen from grace, who were cast down to earth to be judged in the final judgment. They believe in Jesus. They know who he is. And they tremble. It's amazing that a demon has more common sense. He has more wisdom to know that when Jesus comes on the scene, he bows down. He's not sitting there shaking his fist at God. Anytime Jesus, anytime Satan goes into the presence of God, trust me, my friend, he's not sitting up there saying, yeah, whatever, man, whatever. He ain't got that smug look. It's no, it's none of that, you know, hey, we, you know, hey, whatever, well, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. No, he's not, he comes in there humble. That dog that dog can't do nothing without the master allowing him to do it. You might even be one to attend church services on a regular basis. Oh, I'm in a church. I love the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's all good being in a building, but what do you do when you leave? What do we do when we leave God's house and then we step out into the world? Do we show the light of Jesus Christ just on Sunday? That's hypocrisy. Do we show the light of Jesus Christ just when our pastor's around us? That's hypocrisy. Do you show the light of Jesus Christ on a, a Thursday night Bible study when you're around your brothers and sisters? That's hypocrisy. Do our family members know that we love God? Or do they know we have a form of godliness? But we just like this. <clears throat> The definition of discipleship, or the word disciple, literally means a learner. It denotes one who follows another teaching, another's teaching. Vine's Bible Dictionary, a disciple was not only a learner, he was also an adherent. He was also an adherent. For this reason, disciples were spoken of as imitators of their teachers. Notice that the 12 disciples who Jesus handpicked personally and said, come and follow me, they followed him. They followed him. Three and a half years, Jesus spoke and taught and trained them up in godliness, in righteousness, to become followers. And eventually they would become teachers and disciple makers. Because if we spent three and a half years around godly people, we should be teaching somebody something. 
If we've been in a church and, and a church that's teaching the truth and got us grounded and rooted in the word of God, we should be teaching, we should be disciple makers. I don't care if it's teaching your grandkids, your kids, or your or, or your cousins and nieces and nephews. We should be disciple makers. If we've been in a solid Bible teaching church where the word of God is the final authority. The goal of a disciple stated by Jesus himself, Luke 640, he tells us this. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Hmm. A disciple, Luke 640, is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Look, if you've got great pastors or ministers or, or, or uh, even deacons, if these are people who love the Lord and they, everywhere they go, they take Christ with them, those are people you want to hang around. Because if you were sitting around in a parking lot and watching them, you could see the fruit of their life. If you was in the grocery store and you saw them, you could see the light of God shining through them. They're not just turning Jesus on and off like a light switch. Christ is all and is in them. And he's moving and working, and they're working out their salvation every day. When the world knocks, on, knocks up against them, they lean on Christ, knowing that he is the rock of their salvation. To be Jesus' disciple, then, is to strive to be like him. I don't want nobody trying to be like Daryl. Be like Jesus. And if you know Jesus, then you will know that his life is perfect, mine's not. You're going to know that you're going to know me by my fruit, but you know the fruit of Christ in me. My passion for God's word, my passion for, dis for, for seeing people come to saving faith is uh comes from the Spirit of God in me and what he's done in my life. I was sharing with one of my brothers yesterday how important it is for me to be grounded, uh, for me to just boast about what Christ has done in my life on an ongoing, consistent basis. He continues to give me the joy that the enemy is trying to take away. Most of y'all probably see I posted something this week about how my uh, foot was hurting, and I thought it was, First, I thought it was gout because I have a I have a problem with gout, but usually it it'll be more in the toes and not in the foot. Well, this one was more in the foot, and not in the toes. And uh, then I started looking. I was seeing some commercials about diabetic nerve pain with Cedric the Entertainer, and he was talking about how it can come in your you got the tingling in your hands, you got the tingling in your foot. And so I went to the VA uh, the night before last. Got there about a little after midnight, and I go to the ER. And I wasn't too impressed with the doctor, how he handled me. But nonetheless, he came out. He said, well, I don't think it's diabetic nerve pain. We'll run a check. We'll run, you know, check your blood glucose and see where you're at. And my number was surprisingly good, but I felt all the symptoms of diabetic nerve pain. And it might have been going on earlier that day, but for some reason, it had dropped down. But nonetheless, they gave me some things for inflammation. I said all that to say what? I can't remember it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to say this. I was talking to my brother yesterday in the Lord, Brother Lewis, and he, he does evangelism out in New York. And I was telling him, I said, brother, I'm on, I said, I'm, a, I'm blessed to be here because I ain't even supposed to be here on the natural sense. 
all that's going on in my body, all that has went on with the 17 heart attacks and the different things of being in and out of hospital and all these things, stents and all, I said, I'm not supposed to be here. And, you know, we was having a little back and forth. We get into these heated discussions. No, 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 you're supposed to be here because God will. And I understood what he was saying. He understood what I was saying, but he liked to rattle my cage. And I was thinking, I said, you know what? In the sense that I know I'm not supposed to be on the physical side, but God has me here for a reason. He has me here for ministry. He has me here to lift his name up, to make his name great, and to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care if it's one person, zero people, or a million people. Watch or listen. The point is that Christ is my banner, my rock, my refuge. That's the only person I could put 100% trust in. That's the only person we can put our trust in. We can't put our faith in this world. Can't put our faith in things that's going to pass away. People will disappoint you and me. Christ never disappoints. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Again, we need to understand to be to be Jesus' disciple then is to strive to be like him. This coincides with God's goal in the redemption of mankind that we could be conformed to the image of his son. For Romans 8, 29 says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The firstborn among many brothers. Are you trying to follow Jesus and become like him? Unless you do it, unless you do, it can never be said that you are his disciple. Jesus gave us some identifying marks which help to further our, our, uh, further our identity of a true disciple. The marks of a, disciple, of a true disciple. He abides in Jesus' word. He or she abides in Jesus' word. He said in John 8, 38, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciple. Indeed. I would like to add to that. I'm going to add to that. Let's go to John chapter 15. John 15. In John chapter 15, we see this. Jesus is the vine, and the followers are the branches. I am the true vine, he says, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciple. Just as my Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in me, my love. 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his law. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Wow, this is so powerful, my friend. I've read this so many times, but right now I just got chills reading it. I don't know about y'all, but it's good to know that you're a true disciple. Not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is. When I think of how many times does he use this word abide? Notice this. He's constantly calling, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in my Father's work. Abide, abide, abide. That means to be in him. See, when you're born again, you can abide in him. You can be in the presence of God daily. The beauty of the cross, man. This is not some old ricochet rabbit religion. You bounce it all over. Bing, bing, bing. No, that's none of that. This is genuine redemption, regeneration. And as Christmas is coming up, friends, you don't want to abide in him. You don't want to just be a religious nut around Christmas. You want to be a regenerated, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-driven man or woman of God, living for the cross. I should say boy or girl. You want to be on fire for the Lord. Because notice this. It says, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Notice Jesus says, there's other vines out there that are not true. They're liars. They're thieves. They're wolves in sheep clothing. There's a lot of people out there claiming to be, uh, I'm the truth. Follow me, and you, you know, you're going to get this. Follow this. So follow. And in the body of Christ, we've got all kinds of Jesuses that are not the biblical Messiah. They're not leading you to the cross. They're not leading you to heaven. They're leading you away because they have another form of godliness. They have, a, a, they have another way of getting there. You ever notice what Oprah Ripley preaches? There's many ways. Whatever it is that you, the enlightenment or whatever you want to name them. No, Jesus says, This is my name. My name. You can't have, oh, well, you can call him Jesus. You can call him, you can call him a tree. You can call him a lap bulb. You can call him whatever you think it is. That's what she said. My Bible says his name is Yeshua. Yeshua is the original, his original, Joshua. That's where we get the word Jesus. It's a root word. It comes from the Hebrew word Joshua. The true biblical Jesus, the Messiah, if you want it even, the Messiah, the Shur HaMessiah, the Rock, the Lamb of God. There's many different names, but you better have the biblical precepts of the one who died on Calvary's cross, the Lamb who was slain for your sins. Again, friends. Many people claim to be born again. They're not a friend of Jesus. They're not truly a disciple. Another form, and we're probably not going to finish this on this section, but we'll come back later on this evening and finish it, but that's okay. Uh, Another way you know a true disciple is he loves a brother. He has love for his brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. He's not just wishy-washy when it comes to, look, I love all you guys. I don't know you, but I love you. I love you. I love those who come here, not to see me, but to hear the word of God. But I love you because you love God. I know you love God because 
if you didn't, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't come out and support me and, and stand with me in the ministry that God has given me. If you didn't love me, if you didn't love God's word first and foremost, they love the brother. Consider what Jesus said to his followers in John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give you, give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all, notice this in verse 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for one another. How can Christians have so much, or professing Christians have so much hatred in their heart for people? For people. Look, you're not, you might not like everybody, but you've got to love them. Throwing out words like, this person's a devil, this person's an antichrist, this person is this, this person is that, and you really don't know them? That's kind of a contradiction of what Jesus is saying here. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Have we ever seen such a society where there's so, so little love? We got neighborhoods full of people with, that are loveless. They've been around their neighbors for 10, 15, 20 years. And they see them come and go. They speak, but they don't have no love. They're not even talking. They're not talking. Jesus said, a true disciple is one who loves the brother. Not when it's convenient. Not when, it's, not when they treat you well, but you love them because God told you to love them. You're commanded to love them. That should be good enough. We should love. He says, with, with a love that is visible to the world, by this all will know. You got the, you got the most, I'll say this, and this might not sound too crazy, but some churches, friends, you got people in there, they're so full of hate. They're so full of evil. And, and I can't really call them churches, but they claim to be churches. But these are nothing more than synagogues of Satan where people go in and kind of habitat for a few hours, going in. Sometimes you might have meals there, so they stick around for that. But most of these places are no more than synagogues of Satan, and this is what the devil's people do. They gossip and they talk and they backbite, just like we learned back in our in our uh, introduction of Second Peter chapter, I mean Second Timothy chapter three, where I laid out this list of perilous times and how these people respond. Love, lovers of uh, evil rather than lovers of good. You know, having a form of godliness and denying the power. Look, if you're spirit-filled, if I'm spirit-filled, uh, my DNA, my new spiritual DNA is to love. And that means love the unlovable. When they cuss me out, I need to love on them. That don't mean I get into a, well, they made me mad and I'm going to do, I ain't going to let nobody talk to me like that. No. What did God tell us? Turn the other cheek. Yeah, that's what he said. Jesus said that. Turn another cheek. Look, when you're doing the work of God, when you're living for God, you want to be an example of holiness and righteousness. It's not, it's not possible to do it apart from walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit daily. You never know when the enemy is going to try to come and try to sidetrack you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. 
our testimony. He wants to destroy our faith. He wants to kill it. He does not want us to go to glory. He doesn't want you to go to glory, so he's going to do whatever he can to do to discredit you, to get you out of walking with Jesus. He wants you to go back to the flesh, go back to your mess. He says, again, number A, or A said, we, to a, a true disciple abides in Jesus' word. In other words, the word of God is dwelling in you richly. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. It's not just dwelling in there and sitting dormant, but it's constantly telling, teaching you, constantly filling you, constantly giving you wisdom and encouragement and stimulating you to love and good works. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. That's how we are. It's abiding in us. Now, uh, B was he loves the brother. The, a disciple loves the brother and the sisters. We love people in the body of Christ. And we love those who are unlovable. Pray for them. C is a disciple bears much fruit. We're going we're gonna to stop at, at, at this point up here. We'll, we'll stop because the next point would be the cost of discipleship. We'll, we'll, we'll put a pause on it. We'll come back later today. I promise you, we'll come back to this later today. Got a couple more things to teach. We're going to come back later today on this. But see, was a true disciple bears much fruit. Not just a little fruit, much fruit. Because a true disciple is a person, a man, a woman, a boy, a girl that's growing in their faith, maturing in their faith, and their faith is kicking wings and flying. You're not just somebody that goes to church on Sunday to get a religious fix like some crackhead. You're going in there to be filled, to be empowered, to be encouraged, to use your spiritual gift, to lift up maybe somebody that's going through things that you just came out of, the trial that you just came out of, your brother that sits down there or your sister that sits over there, she's just going through it. Now you need to encourage them. Now you bear fruit. John chapter 15, verse 8. He says, my, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. Notice the word much, also found in verse 5. Jesus is not talking about an occasional good deed, but a lifestyle which prompts, promotes people to glorify God. Discipleship looks like. Matthew 5, 16 tells us this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father, our Father, our Heavenly Father in heaven. Glorify. John 15, 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. In other words, if you're playing church, if you're professing to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, but you're not bearing much fruit, I don't care what you say. God says it. I am the true vine. My father's a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He takes away. God knows who's faking. He knows the goat. He knows the professor of Christianity versus the professor of the cross of Christ. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. 
There's no easy believism in Christianity. Well, I just, I said a prayer and I'm in the kingdom now. I ain't got to worry about nothing. No. Bearing fruit, you do. <laughs> I'm going to, we're going to be, look, we need to be fruit inspectors on our lives as well as our brothers, for people that's professing to be uh, truly a part of the body of Christ. We need to be fruit inspectors. Nothing wrong with being a fruit inspector. It's wise to be a fruit inspector. When you're picking a mate, you should be a fruit inspector. Who are you? What do you stand for? I'm not talking about perfect, sinless in the sense of that you're not, that this person is going to be so perfect and so holy. No, we're all a work in progress. But if he's not, if they, he or she is not a working, a work, if they're not working their salvation out with fear and trembling, you know what? This is why God wants us to be careful. He wants us to persevere or, or basically uh, uh, be one of those that's patient. Don't be rushing off to just, you know, I'm in love with this person. Then you're in bed with them. Then you're in lust with them. And then they done broke your heart. And now they teach, now they're telling you stuff that's not of God. they telling you stuff. They, they done took you away from the cross. Male or female, they done led you away because you've been led away by your own lust because of your sin. Ooh. That's how God wants us to do that is now how that is not how God wants us to do. We're gonna cut off right here. That's, we got a few more points that define what a true disciple of Jesus Christ is. But this right here, friends, is some good stuff. Good, good stuff. We're coming back later today, and we're gonna finish this up. We're gonna come back today and finish this up. But hey, if you missed any of this broadcast, you can go back on. You can go to my talk show. Now that I got a new format, you can go to talk show and listen to the whole entire message. But uh, and also you can listen to the streams. They're all saved on Periscope or on uh, Facebook. You can listen to the streams. Go back and listen to there. But uh, hey, it's some good stuff, friends. What is a true disciple? Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for loving us like no other. Thank you, thank you, thank you for pruning us, Lord. The true believer, you prune, Lord. You cut off dead branches. You cut off those things that we're trying to hold on to. Maybe it's some sin, maybe it's some lust or idolatry, things that are just not for us, Lord. And the longer we try to hold on to it, the, the more we stifle the growth process, Lord, and the nutrients, the spiritual nutrients that you want to give us in our soul, Lord, to, to build us up in our most holy faith. We all need we all need to be washed and nourished. We need the living water daily. Jesus, continue to feed us. We will grow and bear much fruit. We thank you for this message, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit speaking through the vessel that you use today. We ask, Lord God, that you will continue to give us, give us the growth and you get the growth. We love you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen, amen, and amen. Uh, what an awesome God we serve. Says, what an awesome God we serve. And he is so uh, consistent with his word, so consistent. It's so good to be uh, just used by him and not worthy. Not, not worthy, but God. But God. So I'm just, uh, I'm just grateful for, for the Lord using me. I'm grateful for uh, with uh, the tools that he gives us to be able to get the gospel out 
who would have thought, you know, if we had thought back 25, maybe 15, 20 years ago, we, we might have saw some movies. And, you know, this is like Dick Tracy right here. <laughs> Be honest. Bro. Y'all remember Dick Tracy? This is just like Dick Tracy or Inspector Gadget in the 21st century. Who would have thought that we could have a conversation, a video conversation, a video conference, and talk to people around the world with our phones? One day, God is going to talk to all of us. One day, he's going to speak, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess him as Lord. But if you haven't done it on this side, if you haven't done it before he comes, it's going to be too late for it to really mean anything. You will know that he's king of kings and Lord of lords. You're going to bow before him, but if you're not born again now, you're not a true disciple of, of Jesus Christ now. Judgment, separation, hell will be your final destination. Friend. I don't want anybody to die and go to hell because they didn't know Jesus Christ. I don't want anybody to die and miss the grace, the forgiveness that God is offering. You can't just say, I want the forgiveness and I want to keep my sin. No, you must ask for, you must receive the forgiveness, but you must also denounce your sin and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He can't be Lord on Sunday only. can't be Lord on Saturday. can't be Lord when it's convenient. He must be Lord daily. He must be Lord of your life. You have to give up your life. God is so good for us, man. We don't get what we rightly deserve. We deserve hell. We deserve chastening. God, if God was to unleash the, the, the things that we did, I mean, the, 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 he was to release the judgment that we rightly deserve, friends, and, and just let us suffer in it, mm. we, there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because of his great mercy, he died for me. Gerald LeRoy Kendrick Sr., he died for me that I could have life and life more abundantly. It's great. We're going to come back again later this evening. We're going to come back to this, I promise you. We're going to come back and we're going to finish this up. Because I don't want to leave this in the pause, but it's enough here for everybody to believe. I pray that you share this with your friends and family. What a true disciple should mean. What is a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Too many people think they're saved, sanctified, full of Holy Ghost. They got these, oh, God, I, I, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Only when you're around godly people, you love them. The rest of your mouth is like a cancer because what's in you is coming out. And Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man defiles him. It's what comes out because all kinds of adulteries and fornications and hormones, all kinds of pride and, you know, these things are just part of the spirit. That's not who we are anymore. God wants us to be regenerated. He justifies us. That means he declares us righteous at the moment that we give our life to him. Then he wants us to bear fruit. It should be sanctification, our ongoing, ongoing daily growth. All for heaven, because we're all striving to get to glory. We're not going to make it playing church. 
Not going to make it plan religion. Only way we're going to make it is Jesus Christ is ruling and reigning in our life and over our life. That's it for this edition of Are You a True Disciple? May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, give you his peace, and may you continue. May you and I continue to just grow, continue to grow. I pray that uh, you will share these messages out with us. With the people, I know people are doing that, but for, uh, for those that's not, please uh, just share these messages so people can grow, people can be encouraged. Uh, nobody pimping nobody here, nobody begging and beating nobody up. Well, you can't hear, <clears throat> if you don't sow into this ministry, you're not going to be blessed. You'll never, ever hear me say that. Never, never, never. never. All I will say is, all I do is ask. All I can do is ask. Because when I call on Jesus, all things are possible. And that's what I'm going to continue to do, call on Jesus. That's the song we're going to close out with. When you call on Jesus, let's see you back here for part two later today. On your truth is back.
You feel discouraged. So remember that he's there. You have a relationship with him. He's there for you. Yes. When you call on him, there's Jesus. All things. Now we for Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you come rest to you right now, if you don't have a relationship with him, you can get one right now. Just call on him. Hallelujah. Thank you. 